0: Welcome to another episode of the devil in the detail podcast i'm sam fakara i'm with ethan schmidt as we recap asu's controversial loss to san diego state and recapped uh the their pac-12 opener against
1: 10th ranked washington so ethan how are you doing today i'm doing well sam yeah you t- you touched on the uh san diego state game and um obviously the sun devils didn't get the outcome they wanted and uh I mean, I felt, I felt like they lost that game kind of, you know, not necessarily from the beginning, so to speak, but, you know, once you see that the ground game was gashing the Sun Devils on their defense, it, was, it wasn't it was going to be an easy win for them by any means.
0: Yeah, like I like
1: before the uh, they
0: scored the, the the late touchdown, I I originally thought it was like deja vu. I felt like I was watching the game from last year where they were just getting gashed on the ground. They just couldn't move the ball. And it it was really surprising because I thought in the first half I thought ASU looked really good in the first quarter they were moving the ball they just weren't finishing drives but I thought they kept getting to like the the midfield to the Aztec forty and then they were forced to punt it and then obviously ASU um they put up they got a touchdown in each quarter but um so what you see in the first half that worked well and they weren't able to replicate in the second half
1: well I mean you know Sam it's it's interesting because the the Sun Devils were doing excellent through the air and it was like Herm Edwards talked about it this week. He said that he, that you always want to try to establish the run game, especially on the road, you know, in a, in a tough road test like that. And I I mean I would agree with him, but but when you're passing the ball so well and Manny Wilkins has been doing an excellent job at finding receivers, I think at, like at an early like a very early point in the first half, Manny Wilkins had already found five or six different targets. And he was spreading the ball around. And then uh, four deep balls to Frank Darby, four for four, connecting with him deep in the first half. And it's just, you know, when you have something working right, that's when it gets confusing when you're like, we got to keep trying to establish this, you know, as far as it comes to, like, the run game. It's, you know, it's something that you kind of have to, I feel like you have to reevaluate.
0: Yeah, like, you know, it was definitely a redemption game in a way for Wilkins as he missed so many deep balls against Michigan State, and a mm-hmm. lot of people thought I was going to come back to bite ASU. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, Darby had a couple of passes that were just too far where he dropped it. So I, I thought Frank Darby was excellent. I, I think ASU needs to get, you know, their, their supporting cast besides Harry and the receiving core more involved because they're, they're talented guys. You know, everyone talks about Harry and deservedly so. He's excellent. He'll be a first-round pick. But um, I think that's important. But going back to the running game, though, I feel like ASU is being – too pass heavy, because I kind of felt that way with the first two games. I felt like they were just being overly pass. I mean, when and they have a, and I understand, you know, Eno Benjamin is starting for the first time. But, you know, the running back. It's a talented group. So yeah,
1: and it, yeah. it's got a lot of depth too.
0: Yeah, and I definitely feel like, especially on, a, you got to establish a balanced attack. Eventually, it, I think it became too predictable. Where like on first down they tried to establish the run, nothing. They kept getting stuffed, and then and then the passing game. It just it was a weird turn and obviously let's talk about the turning point, which obviously was an uh, ASU's decision to go for on fourth down in the red zone, where they could have gone up seventeen sen- 17 to seven, but decided to go forward and then they turned the ball in- over on downs and the Aztecs got a touchdown yeah. right for the half. Did you think that was the right decision?
1: Well, I think I would agree with especially after sitting in on on Herm's press conferences this week. Um, you know, he he's talking about how you get that you get that conversion, and then you get those points, and you you got a two-score lead. And San Diego State was a run-first team. and I mean, they are a run-first team. So Edwards' mentality was that if they could get up two scores, it would force Ryan Agnew, who was in his first start, to have to pass the ball, and they didn't want the ball in the hands of Jawan Washington. So from that perspective, I definitely agree with the decision. But, I mean, sometimes in football, it, it doesn't work out. Yeah, I had no problem with the decision either. I know it's
0: easy now to say, like, oh, that was a terrible decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, obviously, it, it really hurt ASU, I think, when the Aztecs were at touchdowns. It just sucked the momentum well, it's, out of them. it's
1: so interesting because Ryan Agnew, what didn't... I mean, he didn't have the greatest start. But in that drive, after the Sun Devils turned it over on downs, the kid dominated. He, he led... The Aztecs down to score that tying touchdown, and it gave them so much momentum headed into the second. It gave half. him
0: confidence too, because
1: he oh, yeah. he was connecting passes. It
0: was a it was a surgical drive by mm-hmm. San Diego State, and then obviously the Aztecs just ran the ball through ASU, and it's you know it's interesting because you know ASU was obviously home the first two games, and you have to wonder now if you're looking at the hundred degree heat really affected the running game of UTSA. And Michigan State has a great running back in LJ Scott, and Scott was non-existent limited, for the Spartans. No. And so, so, like, I don't know. Like, you know, a lot of talk has been, like, ASU needs to improve defensively. I'm like, I don't think, like, yes, they were the number one defense coming in, but I'm like, everybody took it with a grain of salt. So
1: um, what do you think the Sun Devils have to do to improve defensively? Well, defensively, you know, Danny Gonzalez came in, and implemented this three-three-five 3 um, scheme. And it's all about filling gaps and players need to be where they need to be um, you know at the very exact correct moments and and that's what's really tough a uh, um, a lot of inexperienced or maybe uh, players that are still trying to figure out this schematic where it, it was exposed it was exposed against San Diego State and and that's that's a concern. I feel like headed into this game against number ten ranked Washington is that you know they're averaging over 156 yards on the ground, and and Miles Gaskin is no you know no slouch of a running back. Is that if they're gonna have to be on top of their assignments every play to to make sure that they contain um, you know a running game that could possibly explode at any moment because everybody wants to talk about Jake Browning in the passing game. Um, you know you got to be ready for that for that running game too.
0: Yeah, I told you you know, was, you know we talked about how how many yards ASU gave. but ASU only gave up twenty eight points. Like you know, it's not like San Diego State like, but we would kill them. The Aztecs just they had eight minute drive after eight minute drive, and it you yeah. know it, And I also feel like ASU's offense, them being three and outs like on every drive in the second half. I think you just I think defense was exhausted, and it, you can't fall for being fatigued. Um, so, Definitely. so, obviously, ASU um, was down 28-14 with about five minutes to go, and it looked like, you know, oh, the game's over, but the ASU got a quick touchdown. Um, they didn't get the onside kick, but they forced a fumble, which you could have argued that, you know, his, um, his back was down before the ball was stripped, but ASU got the ball back, and then, obviously, the play everyone was talking about was the uh, targeting call. So what did you see? Do you feel like it should have gotten overturned, or do you feel like the, the catch, or you think it should have stood?
1: It's it's very it's a very strange situation because obviously you have to go back and review the targeting that's the rules and um, just unfortunately for ASU a a bat like a, you know um, an illegal play actually benefited San Diego State which which is something you don't want to see and you know there there's been talk just around you know ASU media about how how the spot foul. In the NFL, should be implemented in college because uh, you should know that in, in college rules, it's it's just a 15-yard penalty. So going back and looking at it, uh, you know, Darby took a huge shot, and and Edwards confirmed he's okay. He was saying uh, that's his Jersey boy. They're both from <laughs> New Jersey, Darby and Edwards. So uh, he's a tough kid, but um, you know, it's tough to say if he if he actually held on to it. Uh, you know, the ball, to me, it seemed like the ball touched the ground, but he might have still had control. Um, but just a, t- a very tough break for ASU.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I I felt like if they didn't overturn the fumble, they should have not overturned the catch. The fumble, in my opinion, was more conclusive that it, it was San Diego State's ball and that he was down. And I didn't think Darby, yes, the ball can hit the ball, hit the ground, but I think it can hit the ground as long as he has control. And I never felt Darby lost control of it. Um Bozzi, you know, I don't think that Aztec defender was purposely going into targeting. I don't think he was thinking that much. Like, you know, if I target this guy, you know, it's only a 15-yard penalty instead of them having it at the two-yard line first and goal. And, you know, obviously, I know everyone's going to say that play hurt them. you know, ASU's offense not doing anything until five minutes left in the fourth quarter, that's what really cost them the game, not so much the targeting penalty. So, I guess... Wow, what a game. Uh, yeah, for it really a 28-21 game, there was a lot that happened. Um, it was
1: very dramatic at the end. And a lot of emotions were were flying around, especially at the end. You know, Darby was just, he was livid that he, he that the catch was ruled incomplete. And just unfortunately, you know, ASU didn't come out with the victory. And, I mean, in my opinion, you know, you allow 311 rushing yards, you're most likely not going to win the game anyways, so...
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's a shame, too, because Darby had such a good game. You know, and, and I thought Wilkins... Wilkins was okay, but Wilkins cannot throw the ball 46 times. So heading into Washington, I think, obviously, on the offense, the main key is probably they need a balanced attack, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's something Edwards and company wants to figure out. Um, how do you get, you know, Benjamin involved? And, and then even Isaiah Floyd, you know, the Juco transfer, he's so electric. And if you... I feel like... ASU to get their ground game going, they got to start having a balance with their running backs. Who's in, who's out, and then I feel like even with Manny Wilkins, his his uh, you know design runs are very limited this year, and it could be because of the injuries that he faced you know last year, and they just don't want their star quarterback to get hurt. See, I, that's a problem I have
0: with ASU with Wilkins. They always do these shotgun spread runs. But 99% of the time it goes to the running back. And I'm like, you got they can't run in my opinion, they can't run that formation if Wilkins and I now Wilkins did run the ball, I would argue, though, in the second half. I think he ran in more, you know, once they're they trying to go upfield, you know, trying to do something. But, mm-hmm. you know, and I think they also need to get the running backs involved in the passing game too. Maybe some screens. Like they do a lot of wide receiver screens with Harry, but I'm like, they gotta try to they gotta you're right, that they gotta involve the running backs more, whether it's in the run game or the passing game. Um, so so Washington is the opponent. I'm um, like the Huskies are two and one. They had an unconvincing win against Utah, 21-7. It was a very ugly game. Um, Jake Browning backpedaled 30 yards, just threw the ball into a, the Utah defensive tackle, and then he lost the ball running to the end zone. So I think that just summarized the whole game last week. Um, so obviously, you know Washington lost to Auburn. They've had the back-to-back wins now. So what are just your initial impressions of the Huskies heading into this week?
1: Well. You know, looking at Washington, they're number ten in the country, and it, and I don't think it's by accident. You know, this team's been good, especially uh, you know under co- head coach Chris Peterson. They've done a, They've done a fine job, and I think it all comes down to quarterback Jake Browning. He's a senior now, but his inconsistency is still there. And like you said, that play against Utah was well, you know, was an ugly one, and he. He really struggled here, you know, uh, in Tempe last season. You know, uh, Washington only, you know, they really struggled to find the end zone. So it's it's I feel like it's really up to Browning to get the offense rolling. And, and there's no, you know, there's no issues with Washington's defense. They're stout. You know, they'll make the plays when they need to. It's a talented ball, you know. It's a talented football team.
0: Yeah, I'd agree too. I'm like, you know, Jake Browning's perplexing. Um, he's a perfect, excellent player. You know, he had such a good year when he took them to the playoff. And like, these last years with sky high expectations, these last years, and they, I don't know, Washington just looks super unconvincing. Like, I think if you're Arizona State, I know you're obviously bummed about the loss last year. I think they have a great chance in Seattle. Now, it is a tough atmosphere. The ASU got destroyed two years ago in Seattle, it was just a non contest. Yeah. But Wilkins was also battling a, a bunch of injuries that year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's gonna be interesting. Obviously, the key will be for them to stop Gaskin. You know, he's one of the returning guys. Um, he ran for 143 yards and a touchdown last week. So, you know, Browning only threw for 155, a touchdown and a pick. So he was not super great. And it's just odd. It's, I agree the defense has looked fantastic for Washington. It's just, the off, it's just bad if the offense could do anything. And I think if you're ASU, you go in with a ton of confidence.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, And definitely defensively, um, you know, toward the end of that game against San Diego State, I saw a lot of fight. You know, from the defensive side, we talked about how they've been on. They were on the field way longer than they should have been in the first place. But J.J. Wilson getting in there, ripping that ball out to even give his team a chance for the whole Frank Darby situation to even happen. And you know, I saw Karan Crump hustling, trying to get get to the quarterback. And uh, you know, this this front, this defensive front for ASU is no you know no slouch either when it comes to Rennell Wrenn a captain of this of this defensive unit and we've seen we saw the video that went viral where rin can bench press offensive linemen if he wants to and so it's just all about um it's all about them coming together as a, a unit and not putting so much pressure on on the secondary to have to make tackles on running backs
0: yeah and I also feel Washington, obviously, they lost Dante Pettis to the NFL. Um, they have Aaron Fuller is a good receiver, but he's basically their only wideout. So I'm assuming Chase Lucas will probably be paired against Fuller. Um, but I don't feel like anybody in that passing attack like really scares ASU. So I think for them, if they could stop Gaskin and force Browning to beat them, I think ASU, I think that's where
1: you want them, I think. You try to neutralize their running game. Definitely. In, in and last, last year's game uh, with the upset, um, I know it was the Todd Graham era, but now Herm Edwards comes in. And then looking at Danny Gonzalez, it's up to him to to have the blitz calls and, and really put the pressure on Browning because last year, I feel like that's what won ASU the game. The secondary did a great job of blanketing, you know, all the, the deep threats that Washington possessed. And the pressure got to Browning, um, you know, s- several several pressures. Uh, you know, they had, they sacked him a good amount of times and, and forced a lot of mistakes. So... You know, it's just about getting after Browning.
0: Yeah, like, ASU had five sacks last year against Washington, against the Huskies. And Browning only threw for 139 yards. So, you know, they really held them. Like, even Gascon only ran for 68 yards uh, last year. It was a 67. great defensive
1: performance yeah. from them last year. And so,
0: I, I think ASU could really draw upon it. It's the same cast, really, you know, on both sides of the ball. Um, like, Even though it's a different coaching staff. Um, so I guess we'll just go to predictions. Um, you know, obviously this is a huge game for ASU. You know, even though the San Diego State laws dropped them out of the poll, you know, the Pac-12 South is as wide open as it's ever been because really the USC is, yeah. looks t- look terrible against Texas. Like, who knows if JT Daniels is the answer there at quarterback. I'm um, like, UCLA's 0-3, Arizona's 1-2, and um, Colorado is 3-0, so I'm like, Colorado? Yep. And then Utah, yep. even though Utah is behind the eight ball here, losing to Washington, I think they're probably the most experienced team um, this year for the Utes, but they have major questions on offense. So, um, so what chance do you give ASU, and do you think uh, they can pull off the upset again against Washington?
1: Well, going into Washington is going to be their toughest challenge. Yet, uh, you know, in the Herm Edwards era, and um, there's been a lot of emphasis on perfecting this simp- the simple, the simple as simple as it sounds, the three phases of the game, and. On offense, they're going to have to find that run balance, uh, the run-pass balance that we spoke about. And on defense, it's about filling your assignments 100%. And against Washington, you cannot make any mistakes. And then special teams, there was a lot of issues last week against San Diego State in the return game, setting ASU up in bad field position, especially in the second half. So it's about correcting those errors, and if ASU can can play a perfect, complete game. They really could pull off the upset, and the off. It, it would take a lot of points from the offense. I would say thirty-one uh, twenty-four ASU. Yeah, that's a great point about the
0: special teams because I think there was that one return where he like waited like a like ten like five seconds. Yeah, Ryan Newsome. Yeah, and then he just came out, and mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, and I think the loss actually might be a blessing in disguise for ASU because they looked super uncomposed in that second. It looked like they were really trying to push, you know, because they knew they just were getting nothing going on offense. And you know you don't want that fever. You don't want your team to be pushing it. You want you know just to play their game and hopefully you know you know it will turn out well that they can get it going eventually. And so I agree. I think ASU is great. I don't know if they'll win. I think Washington will win just because of the home field. But, you know even if ASU loses this game, you know the next two games are Oregon State and Colorado. So those are the games they have to win. They have to win. Oregon. Definitely, really, they di- must yes. win. And the divisional games are the must wins. And then obviously Oregon State they should try to win that game. Um, so I'll probably say Washington. 27, 24. I don't think it's gonna be a super high-scoring game, um,
1: and also it's gonna be cold. For, at least for ASU standards, and it's gonna be cold. Even even if Washington comes up with a victory, it's really hard for me to say that they cover the spread. Um, 18 and a half points, right? I, that's definitely too high. ASU is a humble and hungry team, as Coach Edwards would like to say, <laughs> and you know, just fixing the the little things. You know, ASU can really compete with the Washington team That's that could be suspect at times.
0: Yeah, so Chris Felica of College Game Day put out his dad, the um, ASU was 12-0 and 0 against the spread and are 11-1 straight up in their past 12 meetings against Washington. And they were also in, they were an 18-point underdog last year when ASU beat them. So I think that's really interesting. ASU's owned Washington, at least historically. Um, so, yeah, so I think... It should be a fascinating game, though, since neither team has looked that impressive. Well, you know, ASU has looked impressive with Michigan State, but, you know, both are coming off unimpressive performances. So, for Ethan Schmidt, I'm Sam Ficaro. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and for all of our football content, make sure you go to deltadetail.com.